1: You know, over the last few months, we've been looking at a lot of different things about being all that God wants us to be as a church and as a people, people of God. And a lot of you have responded to that and you're seeing growth in your life and you've been, you've, you've said to me, George, I'm listening, I'm here, I want to be what God wants us to be. I want to be what He wants me to be. Well, I think there's one other area that we're going to have to look at. And for the next six weeks... We're going to look at something that we all do. And that's why I've entitled this series, Sweeping It Under the Carpet. The Tragedy of Ignoring Sin in Our Lives. If we're going to be all that God wants us to be and do all that He wants us to do, if we're going to touch the community around us and touch our families and and be what He wants you as an individual and me as an individual to be, we're really going to have to get serious about some things and one of the things that we've got to get serious about is our sin. Because we have really an, old, an age-old tendency, and that's what we're going to talk about today, to sweep it under the carpet, to cover it up, to ignore it. You know, every one of us here struggles with sin. Am I not right? We all do. But when you look at the sin in our lives, and let me stop for a moment. If you do not think that you struggle with sin, you and I need to have a talk. Because there are no, there's no such thing as sinless perfection this side of heaven except with Jesus. Every one of us stumbles. Every one of us fails. Every one of us does wrong. Now, the problem is, is when we realize that and we say, yes, but here's where we focus. Here, here's our natural tendency. Is, is not to focus on ourselves because we want to cover it up. Our natural tendency is to want to focus on the sins of others. You know, it's, it's better for me to focus on Bubba's sin than to focus on my sin. It's better for me to bo- focus on Cindy Q's sin than to focus on my sin. It's 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 better for me to look at everybody else and what they're doing wrong than to look at me and, and, and have a have a great heart searching time of looking at what the issues are in my life. That that's reality. But if I'm going to be all that God wants me to be, God doesn't want me looking at Bubba's sin. God wants me to deal with my own first. And in fact isn't that what Jesus said? Why do you why are you worried about the speck in your brother's eye when you've got a two by four hanging out of your own? And the reality is it says what does he say? First deal with your own. First come to grips with your own sin. Then you can help your brother. So let me just stop. We're going to enter into a series here. We're going to look at the whole issue of sweeping it under carpet and really what the effects of sin are our tendency to cover it up, the effects of it, what how God deals with it. Now here's what happens. I want you to listen to me. Here's what I don't want you to do. I don't want you to let it pass over you. I want you to consider seriously and say, okay, God, what are you trying to speak to me about through these messages? What is it about my life, Lord? Because here's what you can do. You can sit there and say, well, I hope, I hope so-and-so over on the other aisle listens to this one. You know what? If you've got that attitude, you're missing it. And so-and-so may be listening, and the question is whether or not you're listening to it. And the reality is, listen, the reality is, where are you at? And really the question is, and here's the question for the next six weeks. What are you covering? What are you sweeping under the rug? What are you ignoring? So let's look at that. We're going to look, first of all, we're going to go all the way back to Genesis, all the way back to the original couple, Adam and Eve. And we're going to see that our tendency to cover it up is just a family tradition. It's ingrained in every one of us. It's an age-old tradition. So I want you to notice with me, we're going to look at chapter 3, verse 1 through verse 19. We all know this story, so let me read it to you again. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You shall surely not die. For the Lord God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, And that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. you gave to be with me. She gave me of the tree, and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, What is this you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. And so the Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle, more than every beast of the field. And on your belly you shall go, and you shall eat, Dust all the days of your life, and I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your seed and her seed, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception, and in pain you shall bring forth children, and your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. To Adam he said, because you heeded the voice of your wife, and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake, and in toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat the herb of the field, and in the sweat of your face you shall eat bread, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. We are all familiar with this story It's really the basis of really the reality of why Jesus came, the entering of sin into our life. And what we're going to see from this passage today is that their tendency to cover up what they did wrong is our tendency. When you and I do wrong, we don't like to go around and say that we've done wrong. We like to cover it up. We like to cloud it. We like to make excuses for it. So I want you to see a couple of things here. First of all, let's notice what it says about the sin. First of all, when you have to understand what's going on here. They were told not to eat of this tree in the midst of the garden and the fruit thereof. Now, popular culture would like to say that 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 fruit was an apple. It may have been. It may not have been. It really isn't the issue. They were told not to eat of its fruit, whatever that fruit may be. And they chose to disobey God in that moment, and they chose to eat of that fruit. And so what I want you to see is is when they sinned, here's what they were doing. When they sinned, they were, number one, they were questioning, they questioned God's intention for them. Here's what's going on. The serpent comes and he says to Eve, you know what? Didn't God say to you that you could eat of any fruit of this garden? And she says, yeah, God said we could do that except one fruit. And he says, if we eat it or touch it, First of all, she added to what God said. God only said if they eat of it. But she added to a touch of it because she's putting a barrier up there to make sure that she doesn't fall into that sin. And she says, well, even if we eat or touch of it, we're going to die. And, he, and here's what Satan does. Satan comes along and he whispers the lie and he says, well, you're, you're not going to die. But if anything happens, you're actually going to have your eyes open and you're going to become like God. So here's what he's doing. He's casting doubt in her mind concerning... God's good intention for them. Now, here's what happens. When you and I choose to sin, we are saying, listen, I know better than you, God, what I need for my life at that moment. Do I need to say that again? Let me say it again. When you and I sin, when we choose to do wrong, we are saying at that moment, God, I know better what I need for my life at that moment than you do. We are placing ourselves in the place of God. We are saying to Him, God, you're holding out on me. I want to enjoy life, and this is what the world has to offer for me to enjoy life. And so, God, if I do what you do, I'm not going to be able to enjoy life. And so, it, so basically, you're holding out on me, God. It's causing you to have a wrong view of God. Does everybody understand me? When you choose to do wrong, you are operating, number one, on a wrong view of God, that He wants what's bad for your life, and you know what's better. And the reality is is that we question His intentions for us. Now listen to me. It's all in how you view the Bible. It's all in how you view this. Because in His Word, He tells you things. He he gives you constraints about how to live your life. He, He sets boundaries. So, for instance, he he sets boundaries, married couples, and says that you're to be faithful to your spouse forever. And that if you step outside of that, you've sinned. He's single people, not to involve yourself in sexual immorality before marriage. Save yourself for that spouse that you will marry. He He sets boundaries. Now, our culture would look at that and say, you know, hey, you know, that's just a, That's just shackles. That's just a constraint on your freedom. That's, you know, everybody's doing it. Just enjoy life. But you know what? Here's the thing. God's not out to be a cosmic killjoy. God's not out to be making your life miserable. God wants what's best for you. So when He sets parameters in His Word about how we should conduct ourselves and how we should live, He's not doing it so that you're miserable. He's actually doing it for your happiness. He's doing it for your well-being. See, that's the thing. God, when He sets up constraints in His words for you, He's trying to save you from heartache. But see, here's the thing. This is what Satan does. Satan comes to you just like to Eve and says, surely God didn't say that. God knows that if you do this, you're going to be the much better. So they question God's intention for them. Listen, my friend, you and I sin. Let's be honest, because I sin, you sin. When we sin, we at that moment have made a decision that we know better than God. All we think about is that moment and we don't think about what God wants to do. The other thing I want you to see there is this. Here's what happened. So they they ate of the fruit. Now look with me at verse 7. Look at what it says in verse 7 because I think this is very key and this is a point that is very important for you and I here today. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they knew that they were naked. Here's what I want you to see. Sin opened their eyes to a different reality. Sin opened their eyes to a different reality. When they ate, first of all, for them, being in perfect union with God, being perfect, never having sinned before, the reality of their sinning actually opened them up to a whole world that they had never experienced before, and so they entered into a world where they now were sinful creatures And that's a whole other discussion for itself. But what the reality I want you to see is is when you and I partake of sin, it opens our eyes to a different reality. So let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. I'll give you several examples. Let's talk about drugs for a moment. When you take somebody who engages in drugs versus somebody who is not engaged in drugs, when they, for instance, let's take heroin. Heroin's a big issue in our area here. You know, it really only takes one use of heroin, and you become addicted to it. Did you know that? One use, and you become addicted to it. And it's a serious addiction. Your body begins to crave it. What happens is, is that when they partake, their eyes, literally their spiritual eyes, the eyes of who they are, are open to the reality of that, unlike the person who's never partaken. So the person who's never partaken can't understand a person who has partaken. Don't even try to think that you understand. I don't understand. I talk with people who are addicts. And I just had a discussion with a guy this week who is addicted who knows he's trying to get off, but he knows that when he tries to get off, his body is going to rebel against him in many different ways. And he's hoping that he can carry through with it. Here's what's going on. He has opened himself to a new world, a new reality. Let me just stop for a moment. Let's take somebody. They are married. And he or she decides to be unfaithful. The reality of the Scripture is there. their eyes are open to a different reality. Did you, do you see what I'm saying? Maybe you've met somebody. It's like all of a sudden it's like they went, they went off into an affair and then they had multiple affairs. and like, what happened to them? In fact, maybe you've even known good Christian men or women who's it's like, well, they were raised better. They knew different. Why did they do that? Here's the reality. Sin opens... Sin opens, us to, opens our eyes to a, a whole different reality. Do you see what I'm saying? Do you see the point? When you begin to engage in the activities, the activities consume you, and you become one with the activity. And so this is what's going on here. We see this in the original passage here. We see that sin has an effect on us, and you know, we question God's intention for us, and, and when we partake in it, it, it opens us to a new reality opens us to a new reality. And people who don't partake don't understand. How many of you have ever talked to somebody who's engaged in an activity that you've never engaged in? And you know, even as they try to talk to you about it, you don't even understand where they're coming from. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yes, we all do, don't we? I could ask you this question. I'm going to, but I don't want you to raise your hand. How many of you are engaging in something and you try to talk to somebody else that they can't comprehend? We have, don't we? See, the reality is, is that sin affects us. Sin affects us. Now, here's what we do. Verse 7 through 13 is interesting because this really tells us okay, they've sinned. Here's the reality. It's different for them. But I want you to notice how they respond to it. Because we do the same thing. It's the age old tendency. And here's what it is it's called the cover up. What Adam and Eve did so long ago is the same thing that you and I do about the sin in our lives. Listen, I want you to notice, the first thing they did is this. They attempted to cover their sin. Look with me at verse 7. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Now, you and I can laugh at that. Because I mean, how many of you are noticing the leaves are starting to change right now? Okay, so even if you got found a tree around here, maybe a gum tree or something, that had the biggest leaves on it, and, and you sewed yourself a garment out of those leaves, you you put them together, and you're walking around with leaves. What's going to eventually happen to those leaves once they're separated from that tree? They're going to die, and what happens? They're going to dry up, and what happens? If you're doing a lot of activity with those leaves, what's going to happen to those leaves? They're going to crumble and fall away. I think it's interesting that God, in His Word, is showing us that their futile attempt of covering their own sin, and what they try to cover it with, does it cover it? No. Not at all. See, they attempted to cover their sin. You and I do the same thing. Listen, have you ever noticed that when you do wrong, it always leads to another wrong? When you do wrong, it always leads to another wrong. Like, what do you mean another wrong? Like, for instance, when you do wrong, it always leads to, I almost guarantee it, lying. It's not, and you may even be a person who's a man of your word or a woman of your word, but you will resort to lying to what? To cover. To cover your sin. See, not everybody intentionally starts out to be a liar. Let me just say that. You don't intentionally start out to be a liar. You fall into lying. Because lying is your way of what? Covering. Now the problem is, is that if you tell too many of them, you can't remember what you said. And so eventually your futile attempts at covering yourself are what? Futile. Because you're going to be discovered. You're going to be found out. So here they are. They're attempting to cover Their own sins. Now, here's the other thing I want you to see that happens. And listen, you've got to listen to me because this is the reality. You try to cover your sins, but something else happens. And here's the age-old tendency. The next point I want you to see is is that their view of God changed. Their view of God changed. Look with me at verse 8. Then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Listen, they were used to whenever they heard God walking into the garden, they would run to Him and spend time with Him. Now up until this point in this passage, remember now, we looked at verse 3, we've seen the certain serpent, he tempts them, they sin, they try to cover their sin. Now in verse 8 is the first introduction to God's presence himself there. And now in verse 8, what do they decide to do? Run. Hide. Because their view of God has changed. Listen to me. Sin does not just affect you, it affects your relationship with God. Here, let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. I want you to think about the last time you did wrong. I know it was was today. But I want you to think about the last time you really did wrong. And I want you to think about the next time you talked to God after that. Was it hard? Maybe you didn't even talk to Him. Because the reality was that somehow in your mind, because you know that God knows everything and God sees everything, You have a hard time going and talking with Him because you're wondering, how does He see me because of what I've done wrong? But here's what happened. Their view of God changed so he is no longer the loving God anymore. They're fearful of Him. Listen, the reason why they ran is because they're afraid of God now. Because they knew. Do you want to understand what they knew? They knew the consequences. What did He say would happen if they ate of that tree? They would die. Now, they didn't understand the ramifications of that, but they just understood what He said. So they hid themselves. and See, so your view of God changes when you engage in that activity. My friends, I've seen that happen. Let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. I have met several men who, over the years of my years of being a believer, in different places, different states, even different countries, who were godly men, who then chose to leave their wife for another woman, usually a younger woman, usually a more beautiful woman, and divorce and whatever, and then when you talk with them afterwards about what they're doing, and you try to talk with them about their sin and everything, I, I I hear a different perspective of God from them than when I when before they did it. And then eventually, I don't see them coming to church anymore because it affected them. It affected their view of God. It affected their concept of God. It affected, and, and then they they went off on their own. How many of you know what I'm talking about? You, you, I've seen this many times in my ministry. Here's the issue. The issue is, is that sin, it, it affects us. We try to cover it. It changes our view of God, but there's one other thing it does. I want you to notice with me, verses 9 through 13, we see an interaction. The Lord God says, where are you? And they said, well, we're hiding. Well, why are you hiding? Well, because we're naked. Who told you you were naked? Well, well, you know, the woman she gave me, did you eat from that tree? Well, the woman gave it to me. And then you ask, the woman, well, the snake did it. And Well, you know, and so there's this blame shifting going on. And here's what's going on happening here. They would not take responsibility for their actions. This is the big problem, my friends. When you and I try to cover up our sin, there is a refusal to take responsibility. There is a refusal to say, you know... Here's what they're doing, they're blame shifting, and it's my mama's fault, and it's, it's, my, it's my buddy's fault, and it was, my, it was my coach's fault, and my teacher's fault, or, or my pastor's fault, or, you know, or it was the neighbor next door, or it was my scoutmaster, or, or it was because they did this to me, or here's another one, they didn't do this. And, and we make excuses like that, and we live in a society where nobody has responsibility anymore, so we shift blame. And the reason why is because we don't want to take responsibility for our actions. Listen, let me just stop for a moment. When you have someone say sorry to you and say, oh, I I did wrong, here's how you know the difference between repentance and remorse. You may want to write this down. Because at first they have both appeared to be the same. The difference between truly repenting of what you've done wrong and remorse for being caught is who's going to take responsibility for the action later you understand what I'm saying? The difference between repentance and remorse, because they both appear to be the same at the, at, at, at initially, do they not? Both of them are, I'm sorry I did this, please forgive me. And, and, but there's a difference between remorse, I'm sorry I got caught, let's get this over with and sweep it under the carpet again. And the difference between truly repentance, I'm truly sorry, I want to make this right, but I know I can't, is who's taking responsibility for the action? And it's a hard one to learn. I've learned it. See, here's what happens, my friends. When what we do is, is, we try to cover our sin. Here's what we do. We try to cover our sin, and we try to cover it. It doesn't work. Our view ch- changes of God, and then we don't want to take responsibility. It's everybody else's fault. Everybody else's fault. In fact, you even hear it. Like if I did wrong to Brad, and I and Brad confronts me about it, and I said, "Oh, Brad, you know I'm so sorry, but you know if you hadn't have done that, I wouldn't have done it." Now is, is that confession? That's still blame shifting going on. If you hadn't done that, I wouldn't have done that. No, no, listen, confession is, I did what you saw me do. Case closed. And that's the, that's the cover-up. Now, I want you to see the reality. And here's the reality, my friends, and hopefully our eyes will be open as we look at this whole issue of ignoring it and the tragedy of ignoring it, of, of sweeping it under the carpet and hoping it goes away. Now, let me just stop for a moment. Have you noticed, if you sweep too much stuff under the carpet, what happens to the carpet? It's got a big lump. You can maybe get away with it for a little bit, but after a while, if you keep sweeping stuff under there, sooner or later, you're going to trip over it. Because it's not going to go away. It's always going to be there. It's not dealt with properly. And the proper cleaning of sin comes through who? Christ. But I want you to notice the reality. Here's the reality. Here's what we need to see. Think about what we read in our passage. First of all, sin always destroys. Listen, my friends. We've got to quit ignoring it in our lives, quit quit making excuses for it, because the fact of the matter is, is when you and I sin, the ramification of sin is always the same. What What does Paul say? For the wages of sin is what? Death. And death takes many forms. It's spiritual, it's physical, but it can be relational. It can be relational. Sin will destroy your life. And that's the reality you've got to grasp. Sin will destroy. Now, here's the other point I want you to see. We've already mentioned it a little bit. And let me just reiterate it. Sin always affects our relationships. Always. We've already said it changes our view of God. But listen to me, my friend. Sin changes your relationships. Especially, listen, if you're trying to cover, you know it's going to change your relationship. Because the number one thing that happens is is honesty goes out the window. And honesty and truth have to be the basis of all relationships. And if you can't be honest anymore in your relationships, it's going to affect your relationship. Period. So, sin, that's the reality. And you know what? That's what we see from Adam and Eve's life. But isn't it true? We see it in our own lives too, isn't it? And you know what? It's just an age old tendency passed down from one generation to another. We try to cover it, we try to cover it, we try to cover it, we try to shift the blame. And the reality is, listen, the reality is it's destroying our lives. So you say, okay, George, how do we wrap this up? Are you attempting to cover up? You know, here's the thing. We don't have to have a group meeting and have a checklist of all the sins of the world to try to figure out what your issue is. You know what your issue is. The Holy Spirit communicates that to you always. He checks you. If you truly know him as your Savior, He checks you. So we don't have to have a group discussion. You don't need to go seek counseling to figure it out. You know what it is that you're doing that is wrong and that is sin. That's reality. Now the question for you is, are you attempting to cover it up? You say, What do you mean I'm attempting to cover it up? I'm not trying to sew in fig leaves. No, but are you blaming someone else for it? Are you blaming someone else? Well, it was her fault, or it was his fault, or, you know, if my boss had, if I hadn't, this didn't happen, or if that didn't happen. If, you know what? Here's the problem. It's what you choose to do with it. And you may have come from a rotten childhood, but it's how you respond to it. And so it comes back down to what you do with it. That's just the bottom line.
0: Thank you for being with us this morning.